listening to Footprints on Our Hearts, a podcast about baby loss, legacy, and learning to live again with me, Alison Ingleby. The baby loss community is one that no one wants to join, but together we can break the silence around baby loss and help each other navigate the rocky road that is grief, because all children leave footprints on our hearts. Hello and welcome to episode 37 of Footprints on Our Hearts and today is the 9th of October 2020 which marks the first day of Baby Loss Awareness Week. If this is your first year as a baby loss parent or you haven't heard of it before, Baby Loss Awareness Week runs from the 9th to the 15th of October each year and aims to raise awareness of pregnancy and baby loss in the UK. And although I think it's a UK specific event, but I know other countries um, have something similar. Perhaps they have baby loss or pregnancy loss awareness month. I'm not sure if there's a specific week that's that's the same. Um, but the end of baby loss awareness week is marked by a wave of light at 7pm, whatever your local time is, on the 15th of October. And that's a time when you can light a candle and leave it burning for an hour to remember all the babies who died too soon. Now, in normal years, there are often a lot of events during Baby Loss Awareness Week, including meetups, fundraising and memorial events. But obviously, this year is going to be a bit different due to continued COVID restrictions and uh, and the world we're in. And I feel that particularly if this is your first year, it may feel really isolating, not having that physical support network for you. And in fact, perhaps not having had that physical support network, you know, at all over the past months. Um, And I know from people who sort of messaged me or responded to posts um, about my interviews, which I've had with uh, a couple of guests, um, Alexa and Lee, who sadly lost their babies during the pandemic and lockdown period, that, you know, if you have lost a baby this year, it has been, you know, even more of an isolating and difficult experience um, in terms of the aftermath of that than, you know, than anyone would normally um, anticipate. Um, and I really do feel for you because there is a difference, you know, you can perhaps talk to a counsellor or someone over Zoom or attend a SANS Zoom group meeting. But it's not quite the same as seeing people in person, um, being able to get hugs from people and and just having that kind of companionship and support. Um, So if this is, you know, if this is your first baby loss awareness week, then I think you need to be especially gentle with yourselves. Um, and perhaps look out and see what uh, if there's any virtual gatherings or events or meetings that are going on this week that that you can attend. Um, if I hear of any special events, I'll try and share them on Instagram. I will be lighting one or possibly more than one candles next Thursday on um, the 15th for the Wave of Light. And if you'd like me to think of your baby during that time, please do let me know their name. You can drop me an email. My email address is alison at footprints on our hearts, or you can send me a message on Instagram and I'll include them and you in the babies and parents that I'm specifically thinking about and remembering during that hour of light. I think it's also a week during the year which 
is an opportunity to take a bit of time out, particularly perhaps for for people whose babies died some years ago. Um, And, you know, life has kind of moved on since then and taken over. And I think particularly this year has been very unsettled. It's been a tough year for everyone. You know, people who have living children have been struggling in terms of trying to juggle homeschooling, having kids at home. Um, and I think if you don't have children, then you've been struggling with other watching other people perhaps go through that. And yeah, it's just been a really, a really crappy year, really. But I think, you know, this week is an opportunity to take some time out, think about your baby, think about what you remember of them, how you want to remember them, take a bit of time to grieve if that's what you need to do. And I think, you know, because there are obviously a lot of posts, more articles and things going around about baby loss, it does mean that those feelings of grief, loss, anger can bubble up and easily overwhelm us. So do be gentle with yourselves, take time for some self-care and just let yourself grieve if that's, you know, if that's what you need to do. So this week I have a special guest on the podcast, (laughs) my husband, Sam, who very kindly agreed to come on and talk about his experiences of of baby loss and pregnancy after loss. Um, And this, I have to admit, this was quite interesting for me. So, you know, Sam is the most amazing, most amazing person. (laughs) And he is so supportive. He's always been really supportive of me. And Um, He really is kind of my rock. Um, But he's also quite a private person. You know, he is not someone who kind of speaks out in terms of in the baby loss community. Um, And he, he, as he would say, and and sort of does say in this episode, he, he tends to process emotions and feelings quite internally. Um, which I know is quite a source of frustration to his family who are who are quite open in, to- in terms of talking about emotions and feelings. And, you know, Sam is a little bit of a, a, a closed book when it comes to that. And to be honest, I am also like that. Uh, you know, a lot of the time I have a few close friends who I kind of perhaps open up to more, but a lot of the time I try to process things with, within my own mind. And, you know, that has both advantages and disadvantages. Um, but I think for that reason, I think this episode is maybe particularly helpful for maybe dads and partners to listen to, um, particularly, you know, if you're not involved in the baby loss community and maybe you feel you didn't have quite as much of a connection with your baby as your as the baby's mother did, Um and you are also perhaps a person who processes these things more internally, you might find it helpful to listen to his conversation. And I think also perhaps for for mums who maybe get a bit frustrated, uh, you know, partners and dads not expressing their grief more openly. Um, And I think, you know, there was was even a surprise in this, which (laughs) you'll come on to if you listen to this episode, um, which Sam hadn't told me before. uh, in answer to one of my questions, I'm not going to give any spoilers. You'll have to listen to the episode to, to find that out. Um, but yeah, it was really interesting talking to him and, you know, finding out more about he how he felt during Sky's birth and the aftermath. And I think particularly if you lose um, a child at, at perhaps a little bit of an earlier gestation, so perhaps not at full term, 
I think it's perhaps hard for us to accept as mothers that we have quite a different relationship with that baby than what fathers have. And that's something that we talk about in this episode quite a bit. Um, You know, Sam very much felt that, you know, the thing that bonded him both, you know, both with Sky and um, and with our rainbow baby was feeling them kick um, and that kind of sense of movement. And that really made it real for him and sort of helped to develop that bond. And because Sky wasn't very active, which, you know, in retrospect and hindsight was probably because, you know, she was kind of struggling, you know, struggling in the womb, that meant that he didn't get that much time um, to develop that bond with her. And that kind of affected a bit how, how he felt and how he grieved for her. Um, and I think, I guess, maybe for other mothers who, you know, lose babies sort of slightly earlier in the pregnancy, sort of not, not right at full term, it can maybe feel difficult and frustrating when your partner doesn't seem to express the same level or depth of grief as you feel. Um, And I think part of that is that we have to recognise that actually we do have a different relationship with that baby and with that child because we have been the ones to carry them and to go through that process. And that's not in every case. You know, I think that, you know, dads can grieve just as much um, as mums. And, you know, I think it's just a very individual thing. Um, but uh, I guess it it can be difficult, you know, when you're in that situation and in the depths of grief, and and perhaps you you feel that, you know, he's not <laughs> he's not feeling the same things as you're feeling, and that might be because he's not, and that might be something that we just need to kind of accept and yeah, and accept their support, um, which is what they want to provide. So. I hope you enjoy the episode um, with Sam, this special episode. And most of all, I wish you all a peaceful, gentle baby loss awareness week. Take care of yourselves and we'll be back next week. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by a very special guest, my husband, Sam, who's going to tell us his side of the story about our daughter, Skye. Welcome to the podcast. How are you feeling? Hi, everybody. Um, feeling a little bit anxious this afternoon. Um, don't normally get to sit on this side of the fence when you're when the magic is happening. Normally, I get sent downstairs and I'm told to be very quiet. Um, and not go on Netflix. <laughs> Yeah, you're banned from using the internet while I'm uh, while I'm podcasting. Um, I have to say, I'm feeling a bit uh, nervous as well. So uh, yeah, it's um, strange dynamic, isn't it? It's a little bit strange, <laughs> but hopefully it will make for a good episode. Um, yeah, and I think it is really interesting because then um, people can listen to sort of my side of the story and see how it really differs in terms of the sort of dad's perspective. So. Let's start right at the beginning. Um, and I think we both knew that we kind of wanted to have kids, but I think perhaps it's fair to say that you were maybe a bit more reluctant to go for it when we did. Um, yeah, maybe. I guess I yeah, kind of always assumed we would have children. And then when it got to that point, it felt as though that there was quite a bit of pressure on us to start trying. Maybe sort of, I don't know if I was feeling sort of the, the biological clock almost. Uh, and that pressure. Um, and yeah, I guess from my point of view, I would have happily kept waiting a few more years. 
quite enjoyed our life where it was at that time. Um, and the baby was maybe likely to disrupt that. But um, yeah, it kind of felt like we had to go for it at that time. So, I think I felt like like I was getting older. <laughs> and it's kind of, I mean, I guess this is the thing because because guys don't really have the same sort of biological clock or the kind of limitations necessarily as women do. Um, and I think I kind of was conscious that, you know, we needed to kind of start thinking about it <laughs> at least. Um, and then how, because we were very lucky and we got pregnant very quickly with Sky. How did you feel when I showed you that positive pregnancy test? Gosh, I can't really remember. I mean, we'd only really just started trying, so I wasn't expecting that. And you kind of came down the stairs um quite relaxed and just said matter of factly oh look we've got a positive test um, we're having a baby <laughs> I think you were quite shocked I like I don't know I remember you looking just absolutely shocked and gobsmacked <laughs> I mean I did I did think we'd have like the best part of 12 months to play with <laughs> and then I think you started talking about how we needed to get three seats in the camper van I'm sure that was like your next comment or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, priorities, right? <laughs> and did you know much about baby loss before our experience? And was it something you thought about at all when we were going through the pregnancy? No, it's it's really weird. So since I've kind of sort of looked back and I've had a couple of friends that have gone through baby loss. And I've got to admit, like several years ago, it just... It, it didn't really click with me and I wouldn't have known how I responded to those friends. Like looking back, I wish I'd have been able to be more supportive. Um, but no, even with our pregnancy, it wasn't really something that was on my mind, particularly once we got through sort of like that first scan and then the 20 week scan really didn't occur to me that anything might go wrong past that point. Yeah. And how did you feel generally during the pregnancy? Mm, the pregnancy, like the whole those first few months were really nice because it was really nice that I was able to see you being really happy with that pregnancy and sort of as we saw our bump growing and sort of you adapting to that pregnancy um do you know what I mean I could see sort of how happy you were during that period and that was lovely to see and it was nice to see that relationship between you and Sky growing yeah and I think for me sort of probably just before we got to that 26 weeks point I was starting to um starting to feel part of that pregnancy journey as well because I mean Sky hadn't been a very active baby so there wasn't very much kicking or anything going on at that point I think I was lucky enough to feel her kick once and that's a really treasured memory but up until then it kind of meant that I didn't feel that involved in the pregnancy because I didn't really experience the pregnancy up until that kick um and I think that at that point it felt as though things were about to move forward um so that was quite gut-wrenching when when things all went wrong yeah, and I think we hadn't like we hadn't really kind of gone all in, at, you know, in terms of getting things ready and buying loads of stuff, and we hadn't, you know, I think you just started clearing your office out to make way for the nursery after we had the big debate over who was going to give up their office. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't that much of a debate, in fairness. I lost that one quite, <laughs> quite clearly. It made sense. <laughs> Yours is bigger. <laughs> But yeah, it did feel as though like we were just getting to a point where it was about to or about to really accept that this is going to happen. And we were talking about the nursery and the changes that we were going to make. And we'd been going out with some other friends with babies and practicing and carrying in slings and all that sort of thing. So it, it did feel as though we were just getting to that point where it was all getting really real. Yeah. And so on that day, we found out that she died. So I 
kind of hadn't felt her move that much. So decided to go into hospital just to get checked out. And I remember saying that you didn't need to come with me and that you could just stay at home and get on with things. But fortunately, you insisted. What do you remember about that drive? Or what were you thinking when we kind of went in? I don't really know. I can't I remember you saying I'll go on my own and I sort of at first didn't really think about it and thankfully I did did clock that maybe I should go um so I'm really glad that I that I came along and didn't let you go on your own but I, I mean I didn't have any anxieties going into the hospital it, again it didn't even cross my ra- mind that something would be wrong I just assumed we'd be going in that the scan would be okay and we'd be coming out again yeah and did you know like so when the midwife like tried to find the heartbeat and then couldn't and then was like oh probably just in a funny position or something did you kind of have have any inkling then or did you still think things were okay I'm not sure I did have any inkling you know like because we got moved we had the midwife trying and then we got moved into our own room and even at that point I felt you know what things will be fine I still wasn't really questioning whether anything was likely to be up or or going wrong at what point did it kind of hit you I think when you screamed that was (sighs) That was the point it really hit me. I think just before then, maybe like I'd sort of, I remember in my head sort of thinking we've lost the baby in a very sort of matter of fact way. I'm not sure where that thought came from, uh, but just in a very matter of fact way. And then, and then you, yeah, I think you found out and I've heard you talk about it on this podcast, that sort of that primal scream. Like that's, that's the only thing I really remember. And I don't remember much about that day because that's all I remember is you, you in that situation and, and trying to, comfort and look after you I don't really remember asking any other questions or thinking anything further yeah I think yeah I mean I think we were both in shock obviously and you kind of respond to that differently depending on who you are and we basically got sent away and told to kind of come back in two days (laughs) and I think again we had kind of maybe different perceptions of what would happen and what Sky's birth would involve what what do you remember about those kind of, I guess, those couple of days in between? And what were you thinking in terms of what we'd experienced going into hospital? I'm not really sure. It was kind of like there was quite a vacuum in those two days for me, really. I don't remember having particularly clear thoughts. And you were the one that was sort of driving that in terms of research on the internet and understanding what would happen. And uh, I mean, if you hadn't done that, then I, I, we completely wouldn't have been prepared for what we were about to go through. It was just a real numbness, really. I, I don't remember what my thoughts were in those days. I mean, I remember very clearly like a surge of adrenaline in terms of sort of letting work know. And uh, like I must have written the most detailed transfer note that I've ever written in my life in terms of what was going on at the time for the team that I work with and what were the priorities to get done in the next few days while I was going to be away. And, and do you know what I mean? I must have written like precise details that I don't know where that came from. So there was some sort of adrenaline. It was a good distraction. I'm not sure what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually trying to focus on what we're about to go through was really tough and trying to understand what it might be like and what we need to think about and be ready for and didn't really have any idea about that. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I kind of did the same a bit. I think you went into kind of this is what we need to do mode, Mm. kind of very kind of practically focused. And how did you feel? Because I know one of the hardest things for me was like telling my parents what had happened 
and your because your mum in particular was so excited about because Sky was her first grandchild and she'd I think she'd like been wanting grandchildren for years she'd just been kind of waiting for her, for you know one of her children to kind of start producing and she was so excited how did you feel like having to tell them yeah that? That was, I mean I just couldn't get my words out when I rang them it was horrific um and we are because we're a really close family my mum's really expressive like do you know what I mean I'm not great at talking about feelings, but certainly most of my family are. Um, and yeah, she was really excited and I sort of rang them up and I think they were both sat outside in the garden on their swing that evening, sort of watching the sunset, having a nice glass of wine. And yeah, I had to sort of explain to them what happened and I just couldn't get the words out. It was awful. Yeah, what was their response? I can't really remember. I just remember my sort of mum being kind of come over here and straight away because they live a couple of hours away and I think that was really hard for her and for them was not to be here to support us in those moments and I know they were desperate to come see us as quickly as possible and they did and that was really nice um yeah I can't remember it was just not a phone call I'd want to have to make again no I think it's yeah it's just as you say I think it's like how do you break that news um and then and I think also I've been pretty composed up until that point but yeah having to explain to them what happened was really I think that was when a lot of emotions sort of came, took over um, mm. and I'm sure part of that is because that's kind of like a safe conversation I know with my parents you know what I mean I can be open and tell them what's going on but um yeah that was a really challenging and I think maybe it makes it more real like telling someone else almost like I think you can almost pretend that it hasn't happened or even though you know it's happened you can kind of block that sort of almost compartmentalize it as you say while we're kind of getting on with things we're like well you know we need to sort work out we need to you know have some dinner and have something to eat we need to think about what we need to do but almost I think that moment maybe when you tell someone and kind of actually vocalize it out loud that almost makes it really real yeah Mm. And then, so two days later, we then went back into hospital to have Sky. What did you have a kind of any concept of what the birth would involve or anything? Because again, this was so like early for us. You know, we hadn't been through antenatal classes or anything like that. So you know, I don't think. I mean, I didn't really have much concept of what it would involve. I'm not sure you really did. No, I mean, it did kind of feel like we were just swept along with the tide at that point. Um, and again, I go back to the sort of, if it wasn't for you doing the research that you did beforehand, we'd have really been unprepared and absolutely know nothing. Um, and that was really good. So some of the, the resources that you accessed, I think it was the Tommy's website that really sort of set it out for us in terms of what to expect. But even then going into the hospital and the sort of, um, ended up in sort of the, like the clinical label, um, on the labor ward in sort of some of the clinical rooms. And I mean, we went in and I think we, we were told we'd go in straight away and we had to sort of wait at home for several hours. And then we went in and I think, again, it was about five hours waiting in one of the labor war in one of the labor rooms before we even saw a doctor and got the whole process started. And, and all that time, do you know what I mean? You just, you're left there alone with your thoughts. Um, that was a really sort of hard experience to go through as well, looking back. And I think, I think you maybe thought that we'd kind of be in and out quite quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, when they told us, so the day we found out that we'd lost Sky, they sort of said to us it would be, um, yes, I think she said, you take this medicine, you take these pills, um, and then sort of like two days later, you come into hospital and you sort of 
I can't remember what they said, but it happens (laughs) in the air. And in in my head, I think you'd bought us some opera tickets, which I was really excited about going to see. And that was sort of like three or four days away. So in my head, I was like, oh, that's okay, because two days plus a day of recovery means we can go to the opera still. Um, (laughs) And that, I'm sure, was just sort of like response to shock. But yeah, you kind of, you take it as they say, you just sort of like two days, that's all we need and and it'll be okay. yeah, yeah, it was really strange at that time. And 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 that's just sort of not really thinking about it and, and having gone through that before, I think. Yeah, and I think just like, yeah, just having no concept for how long birth takes or how long induction yeah. takes. Because I think I remember saying something like, oh, we have to pack an overnight bag or we might be in for two nights. And you were like, really? Don't we? <laughs> like, we're not just going to be in for the day. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I think that's, and as you say, it's shock, I think. And just like, as you say, having no concept, um, of how long these things take and then how so I kind of I guess my kind of labor was sort of overnight and you had the most uncomfortable <laughs> uncomfortable like well bed is not really even the word I think you had like one of those kind of what's it called like a bean bag or something on the floor it was a birthing mat ironically wasn't it yeah. so it was um yeah I mean yeah it wasn't a great scenario for us the whole sort of experience looking back and at the time, in fairness, I thought they were sort of doing as much as they could to help us and accommodate. And I think the sort of the individual, like the, the midwives that we had were lovely and I couldn't really have asked for any more from them. Um, but it's just not set up really, is it, for sort of dads at birth and sort of the idea that there just wasn't the space for people who have lost a baby, for example. The room, the, I can't remember what they call it, but the, the uh, bereavement suite. Yeah, the bereavement suite that they'd sort of effectively promised us and explained this would be yours and that sounds great but actually when we got there it wasn't available for us and there's no backup um so we were on sort of like I say we're on the labor ward in one of the clinical delivery rooms that really wasn't a nice experience but then but then we yeah, were there for several days and there's, mm. there's nowhere to sort of rest or relax um did you get any sleep that night I think I did because I'm pretty hardy do you know what I mean we like our camping and our exploring so I'm a pretty hardy I'm used to sort of uh, rough sleeps so that wasn't too bad but um I mean, I think originally I thought I was going to sleep in the birthing pool that we had in our room. Yeah, you were convinced. You were like, it's going to be fine. I'm going to sleep in the birthing pool. And then I'm not sure it was that comfy when you actually got in. I was thinking it can't be too far from like uni days where I ended up used to sleep in the bath or something. Uh, (laughs) It turns out the the birthing pools aren't quite as long as as a bathtub. So, yeah, that wasn't wasn't actually an option. I ended up sleeping on a a pregnancy mat and, yeah. So I think, yeah, I think our, you know, we saw our sort of lesson is if we ever go in again is take a camp bed or take your own roll mat and sleeping bag. Because yeah. I don't think we'd really thought about that at all, had we? I think we just, well, kind of assumed that they provide something. And I think also because we've been told there was this bereavement suite where you'd be able to stay and actually the bereavement suite did have a sofa bed. So, you know, once yeah, we got to go in there, it was great. I mean, not only that, but they did sort of like, the midwives did say there's a camp bed around yeah. on the ward somewhere, but it never materialised and they couldn't find it, so... You just um, kind of have to make do in the, the best of a bad situation, unfortunately. Yeah. And how about your experience of the kind of birth? Because obviously that was your first experience of birth as well as being my first experience of birth. Was it anything like what you thought it would be? I don't know. I think because of the situation we were in and, and because we knew we weren't going to be delivering a, li- a living baby, uh, I think that maybe changed the experience. And, and that meant that I was able to focus a lot more on you. I wasn't really thinking about sort of, I guess I didn't think of it as a birth, but more mm-hmm. as, as something that needed to support you through. Um, hopefully now on reflection, I kind of unknowingly took on quite a lot of the hypnobirthing techniques. And that I think I, I kind of feel like I did a pretty good job at the time of trying to support you through. 
Um, but it was really about just sort of helping you to get through that, I think. And just making sure that you were going to be safe and going to be okay was the other thing for me. Yeah. And then, so after she was born, and so I remember, so I held her for a bit and then I passed her to you because I was still having contractions and like, we were trying to get the placenta out and all that nonsense. And I think you, and you took her and then you you went and you walked around the room a bit with her. How, and I can't remember, I can't remember if you were talking to her actually. I do you remember how did you feel at that point when you saw her and were holding her? It's really hard because, again, the sort of I don't know how much of a relationship I felt that I had with Sky during the pregnancy because, like, like I say, sort of like I'd only got to that point where I'd only felt her kick once. So that was the first time that it kind of she became a, a living, do you know what I mean? Like it felt real. Um, and then we, we lost her so, or from my point of view, we lost her so quickly. And like, I think that was what I enjoyed about the pregnancy was that I got to see your develop your relationship with Sky developing because you did have those movements. You, you like, I mean, your bump was growing mm. and that was lovely to see. Uh, and I'm not sure I had quite the same connection or that bond, if you like, that, that hadn't really started developing at that point. Um, so it was really hard sort of, you know, and it was great that I was able to hold Sky, but I'm not sure how I really felt at that point. It was really, Again, so I think my focus at that time was still on you. You'd just gone through a massive ordeal and, and it wasn't over. And you were really exa- exhausted and struggling. And it was hard to keep my focus on Sky when actually you were in that situation and needed support. But I did. I mean, at first, I think I didn't hold her for very long. But I, I do sort of I remember asking if you wanted to hold her for any longer. And, and you were really struggling at that point, I think, and feeling really exhausted. Um, and we... We had one of those, um, the cold cots, didn't we? Mm -hmm. And we were able to put her in there for a while. But I do remember, actually, you sort of, at one point, you fell asleep or was having a rest. And so I was able to spend a bit more time with her because I was able to take her out of the cold cot and hold her. And and they were precious moments looking back. Um, They were really important that I was able to do that. Um, And I was able to speak to her a little bit. And and again, sort of just, do you know what I mean? She had such tiny hands, but at least I was able to hold them. (laughs) And did you feel like the stuff kind of involved you in terms of what was happening and I guess what was happening like so again I, I don't know if like their focus was more on me and they kind of came to talk to me about things I don't know how involved you felt in that kind of process um not very in fairness um I don't think like I say the stuff the midwives that we had were lovely um but it, it there wasn't much focus on me uh, as the sort of the birth partner or as the dad I don't think um, that said sort of I think once we were there for over 24 hours they were like oh yeah he's still here and actually <laughs> is a part of this and, and those relationships were able to grow but I think that's what the first focus for all the midwives and all the doctors and the consultants that came in was straight away with you and that's a lot of pressure for you to take in that situation as well being bombarded with those questions and, and all that information to take on so it did feel very much that I was sidelined and I think that reflects in the whole sort of setup. Do you know what I mean? Not having somewhere where a partner can stay or sleep and those sort of provisions. Um, as I say, I think the longer I was there, the more those relationships were built up. And they, do you know what I mean? They brought me some food, which was really nice of them. Because again, I don't think I particularly thought ahead other than bags of Haribo. Um, the idea of staying a night and that I was going to need some dinner and stuff like that hadn't really crept in, I don't think. So yeah, I found that a bit tough. I did feel quite excluded. Um, and then afterwards, once Sky was born, I think, again, um, the midwives were very, you know, I mean, they were supportive. We had a midwife who said, look, we can put her in this cold cot. I can take her away and do some photos and stuff like that. And at the time and, and not really having any other experience of that, that seemed like a sensible thing to do. And 
um, really appreciated that. But I think, again, sort of having listened to some of your podcasts, some, some of the things really stick out that other people have gone through and, and they've said. And, and do you know what I mean? When you talk about um, the memories that we create versus the memories that are created for us, um, at the time, I was really thankful for the midwife that she took Sky away and that she took some photos. But looking back, I wish I'd have thought more or been given more information about what I could have done with Sky because the quality of the photos aren't the sort of the photos that we'd have taken. Um, the night, the the dress that she was put in isn't the sort of dress that we would have picked or that we had sort of identified. And all those decisions felt nice at the time, but actually they, they were decisions that were taken away from us, really. Um and I don't think I'd have had the capacity to make those decisions necessarily at the time. I didn't have the foresight to think about it or the experience, but maybe, I don't know, maybe with that support or being encouraged to do that, then that might have made things different. Mm. And I think I remember thinking in terms of um, some of the midwives coming in, so they were all very nice, but some seemed quite scared to come in and talk to us. I don't know if you felt that. So I remember, like, Sanya, so the midwife we had overnight who was there kind of during our labour and, like, when I actually gave birth. And so she actually delivered Sky. And she was really – she was really – and I'm very glad that she was the one we had during that time because she was – and she was actually quite almost matter-of-fact, which I found quite helpful. And she would chat to us about kind of normal stuff and – you know, things that were going on. Um, and yeah, and it didn't seem to phase her the fact that we were giving birth to a dead baby. Whereas I felt like some of the midwives we had after that in the kind of coming days were, I don't know, maybe they just hadn't had that kind of experience before, or they didn't really know how to approach us or how to talk to us about it. So whilst they were very nice, I felt like they were a bit scared of coming to talk to us about anything. Yeah, and I mean, it is funny, isn't it? Because we were segregated on the ward. We had a, the snowdrop sign on our door, which, you know, I mean, I can see the benefit of that and making people aware. But at the same time, we were on an active labour ward, so everybody knew, unfortunately, what we were going through. Because you've got this big sign on the door, which effectively says, in nicer words, but effectively says, dead baby. And yeah, like, she was lovely. I, I agree, like, she, like she, of all the people that could have been with us through the night, she was lovely. But I think at first she was a bit anxious about coming in, and it took that time for her to build that relationship with us. And that was testament to her that she was able to build that and become more relaxed and comfortable. Um, and it was also helpful, therefore, that we sort of had her. She came on shift quite early on in the process and was able to stay with us pretty much throughout. So, again, that, I think, helped. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I think she must have stayed on for a bit after the end of her shift because – you know, she was trying to get, like, deliver the placenta and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And it was nice because then she started to include me in those conversations. And as we went through the night, that, mm. yeah, I think you're right. That was a really supportive. And I guess it must, like, I guess it's difficult because they don't know what they're going to be faced with, do they? Because I remember, like, we, like, I don't remember, I don't think, I don't remember crying at all during, really, while we were in hospital or going through the induction and no. everything. Like, I think maybe we were just a bit numb to that. So I don't think, I don't know, you know, I guess some people might go in and they might be crying a lot. And I think we were quite matter of fact almost about it, almost like this is a thing we have to get through, which I do think meant that maybe we didn't connect with what was happening as much as maybe, I don't know, as maybe other people do. And again, in terms of, I guess, making those memories and thinking about what we could do, I think I very much thought of it as this is an ordeal we need to get through. Yeah, well, I think that's the difficulty is without that, it, do you know what I mean? It, it's, with hindsight, it, it's mm-hmm. easier to look back now and think, I wish I could have done this or I'd have known that. But when we were going into that situation, then we didn't have any idea of, of these options. 
and you don't have time to prepare for it. We we sort of found out that we'd lost Sky and we were given t- um, two days. Mm-hmm. Um, and we didn't know what to expect. I remember we we went into town, didn't we, to buy you some nighties um, to make a bit of an overnight bag. And we were looking and thinking, like, do we need to get a do we need to get Sky some clothes? Um, and then we had a quick look in the shops, and obviously there's no sort of in your high street shops. There's no clothes for a, a baby at 26 weeks. Um, so we, I mean, we had no idea is the thing. And and I guess why would you really, unless you've been through that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, I want to kind of move on to talk about grief a bit, because I feel like we maybe grieved quite differently. And I know that I struggled a lot, particularly a few months after Sky died with kind of grief and depression. And that must have been really hard for you, because I'm not particularly good at necessarily talking about how I'm feeling or what I'm going through, and I can, can bottle it up a bit. How and when did you feel you grieved and how did my struggles affect you? So, uh, I don't know. So I've always been quite a closed person anyway in terms of not being very good at talking about feelings. I don't think that's kind of like a stereotypically bloke thing. I think that's just, that's how I've always been. And I've always been able to sort of resolve things internally. So I know throughout my childhood, I've never been very open about talking about my feelings and stuff. So that that's just how I am. And I've always felt conscious that you maybe have felt that I'm not sharing things with you or not being open with you about how I feel, possibly trying to protect you or... But it's it's not really so much that. It's more that I think I maybe struggle still to unpick how I feel about it and the emotions that I've been through and and where I'm at. But there, I mean, like, I remember early on, there was one night where in the middle of the night, I just sort of woke up remembering a picture of, I think it was one that your dad had took just before we lost Sky, of you with that sort of like showing off your bump and smiling. And, and that really hit home that everything that we'd lost at that point, that was really hard. And there's been times where it's just sort of hit me out of the blue, really. Um, again, maybe when we've gone for a walk and we've gone through um, one of the fields locally where prior when we had Sky during the pregnancy, we'd sort of said this is where we'd bring her on walks and we'd go see the horses. And then suddenly you're walking through that field and it feels much more empty and lonely. Um, so it kind of hits me out of the blue still every now and then. Um, and even just recently, I can't remember what it was now. I think it was, was it the anniversary of Sky's due date or something? And it just, it was one of your... Instagram posts that just sort of triggered me but it doesn't I don't know it doesn't stay with me for very long it's kind of these short bursts and again I sometimes feel guilty that sometimes you're not there to see that um I want to be able to show you that I do sort of feel that and do grieve uh, and I want you to be able to see that I feel that way as well because but it's hard otherwise to open up or to share that uh, and I think it's really hard just to unpick what those emotions are and, and what they mean yeah I do think I mean I think we did both make quite an effort particularly like in the early days to because I think yeah I'm also you know I also tend to resolve a lot of what I'm thinking kind of internally but I did think we made quite an effort in those first few weeks particularly to kind of try and tell each other how we were feeling and talk about things a bit and I guess yeah I guess I don't know I think maybe grief is kind of something that takes like a longer time to process and I know certainly again once I started doing the podcast and I don't know how you felt kind of listening because I know you've listened to some of the podcast episodes and listening to other people's experiences but that sometimes that makes things come back for me and sometimes I don't know it's quite cathartic almost in terms of talking about my experiences and I felt that's kind of maybe helped me a bit in terms of coming to terms with things and also being able to be a bit more kind of open in terms of how I'm feeling. Yeah. And I think the, I mean, do you know, I mean, I've seen you do the podcast and 
I think that's been great for you. Um, and it's been great for me because, like you say, I have been listening to the podcast. And I think it's it's just it's knowing that other people have had these experiences as well and understanding how other people have gone through these experiences and, and sort of people who have turned the corner or people who are able to remember their children in, in, in special ways. That's that's really important because it is, you know, what I mean? it is a really lonely club. Uh, and it's really hard to explain to somebody who's not been through that experience. Um, it's really hard, do you know what I mean, to raise it with my friends and and talk much beyond that sort of "we're really sorry for your loss" type type thing. And and that's not, do you know, what I mean, it's I'm not sure I expect more from my friends in that regard. But it, it's a really hard hard situation to explain to people. And I don't know what I want from other people in terms of sort of sympathy or people to talk about it. I know, and you know, my mum's. Oh, my family have been there for me in the background um and it's you know my focus I guess has been also I've been able to sort of focus on trying to support you um but I'm really conscious that yeah in the background I've got my family and my mum's been talking to me she talks to me most days and I've got my my dad who also checks in and my brothers and my sisters um they've all been really important in doing that and you know what I mean they'd probably tell you that I'm still not very good at talking to them about it they talk to me as frequently as possible and they keep asking how I am. Yeah. I only sort of tell them that I'm okay. Um, but it's really reassuring, actually, that they keep persisting with that and they keep conversations going, even if I'm not sort of opening up or engaging in with them very much. I'm sure that's really frustrating, but I just don't know sometimes. I don't know what I need is the thing. Um, but I guess it's having people still asking those questions and that line of communication, just keeping that open. That's the important thing. Um, but yeah, listening to this podcast and meeting other people, again, you've been really good. I'm not very proactive at sort of going out and meeting people and socializing. And I know that's sometimes a struggle for you, but you've been much better than I have um, just in, that, in terms of that sort of social confidence. But going out and meeting other people, again, that have been through similar experiences. Um, I think early on it was the um, the Instagram hour. Remind me what that's oh, called. Oh, Baby Loss Hour. The Baby Loss Hour. And you'd gone out and you'd met some people at one of the evening events, but you came back so so positive from that that was really sort of eye-opening um you'd met some really inspiring people and they had some really inspiring stories to tell and that for me was sort of that was one of the first corners that we turned I could really see a change in you but it also opened up my eyes I guess to how you can Mm. move forward and then it is it's sort of it's been about how do we remember Sky and some of the positive things that we've tried to do so be that some of the fundraising events or this podcast has been great I think um but also some of the other things so like the memory sticks and the walks that we've done and we have our little sky bear that we've been able to take on holiday or adventures with us and sort of writing her name and, and other babies names and places that we go and, rem- and remembering that's been really I think really important in terms of again turning a corner because um, mm. I do think there is a difference between like how men grieve and women grieve and, and that kind of thing and I remember chatting to like speaking to some of the guys who I've spoken to on the show and they're like well actually you know, I don't necessarily want to go and talk to other people necessarily about the babies, but just being with other people who know what you've been through is helpful. And I remember as we went for, I think it was Baby Loss Awareness Week last year, and we went for a walk, which had been organised nearby, and uh, there was another dad along there. And I remember you were, you, you guys were kind of walking along and chatting, and I was chatting to some of the mums, and, and I remember saying, oh, well, what were you talking about? And he's like, well, <laughs> we were talking about the football. <laughs> Yeah, it was funny. Yeah, we just talked about football and rugby all the way through. Not really talked very much about our, our children or babies at all. But uh, yeah, I think you're right. It, it wasn't that I needed to talk about Sky or that experience. It was just 
being able to be with somebody else that's been in that situation that was the really cathartic side of it mm-hmm. and um, I think like because you work in a sort of a very female dominated team <laughs> um, and sort of a female environment and I feel like quite a few people have come to you and sort of opened up about their experiences and things how have you found that in terms of a work context and again sort of without going into too much detail sort of you know, working with children and families a lot, particularly after you've lost a child of your own? Yeah, yeah, it's been easier than I thought. So I'm a social worker, which means I work with, um, I come into a lot of contact with children and families, uh, and sometimes in really difficult situations, challenging situations. Um, but I've not found that particularly triggering, which is good. But then I've always been, and I think, you know what I mean, you've known this, I've always been very able to separate work from um personal life and be able to shut off and some of the things that I experienced in work are quite traumatic and very difficult to deal with but I think I've always been very good at containing those emotions and that probably feeds into well that probably feed, that probably comes from the way that I've always been but feeds into the way that I've handled the situation with Sky as well um but actually yeah it's been a few people at work have come forward and sort of shared their experiences with me and I'm lucky that I've got some really good colleagues and again they've been really supportive all the way through and that's been what I needed, really, is, is that's taken a lot of pressure off. Um, and again, it's it's not that I need to sort of have those in-depth conversations regularly, but it's knowing that there are people there that um, that you can talk to if you need to and that they keep they keep that communication going. You, it's not a job that you've got to do to keep that uh, relationship going. But, um, yeah, it's there when I need it type thing. Yeah. And you mentioned um so back at the beginning you mentioned um that you were quite happy waiting for a sort of a few more years in terms of having children did Sky's death affect your feelings on that at all and how did you feel about trying again for a baby uh gosh I mean yeah so Sky's death really put everything into context I guess um you sure you want to ask this question while we're recording yeah go go on you can be honest (laughs) you should have me about this No, to be honest, it's fine. Uh, I think I've kind of become more rational about it, as in if we have a child, then great. And if we don't, then we've tried, I guess, is kind of my approach to it. And do you know what I mean? We've got Sky. We're still parents to Sky. And, and yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's some of that is self-preservation and not investing everything at this stage. Um, and some of that is that, yeah, still got to put a third seat in the camper van and a baby at any point is going to need a lot more work and a lot less climbing and running. And cycling. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess, so we obviously did try think about trying again. And how did you feel when we got pregnant this time around? And how have you felt during the pregnancy Oof. compared to when we were pregnant with Sky? <laughs> Um, I think I've been very tense during this pregnancy and a lot of that because it is again sort of trying to support you and make sure everything's okay uh, it's been really anxious about what if things go wrong and really sort of struggle to look ahead and think how would we manage if we lose a second baby so yeah I found I found this second pregnancy really difficult I think in that sense and I've probably in some ways not invested in it until recently um but having said that, I felt much more a part of this pregnancy. So um, our little chickpea has been kicking from a very early age. Um, and I felt a much bigger connection as a result of that. I felt much more included in the pregnancy. And again, it's been tough because we've been pregnant during COVID. So I've not really been allowed into any of the scans. But actually, I think chickpea kicking and wriggling and that response, do you know what I mean? That's that's given me the chance to build that bond. And, and so that feels really special. 
Uh, and so I have massively invested in that in, in that side of things. Um, and actually having missed out on the scans hasn't been too bad because I've been able to see the progress and, and been able to feel it for myself um, this time. So, so yeah, it's, I mean, uh, again, I think you've probably, you've put, Ali, you've probably seen physically sort of some of the impacts on me over the last few months. Mm-hmm. And part of that will be COVID and the lockdown, but I mean, like I've lost all motivation to do the normal exercises that I do for the last few months. I've not been able to go out running or cycling. Uh, I've not been able to wake up in the morning. And I think part of that is my body sort of conserving energy and putting it into hopefully supporting you and, and getting ready for, fingers crossed, baby arriving and, and sort of the, the extra strain that that's going to take. So I think that's also going to be a really challenging time for us because I'm, I'm, I'm sure that that will bring up lots of different competing feelings. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, I mean, I feel like you have been a lot more, and obviously we have, we've had more time with this pregnancy and I feel like you have been a lot more, involved in it or engage with it despite the fact and I don't know, actually know if because we've had to have all these extra scans and things going on that's almost made it more real um to you I mean like you've got fed up of looking at scan photos <laughs> we've got like a whole folder full of them um well, I don't know because we've been really lucky we get these 3d photos which are pretty amazing yeah. so they keep me excited yeah that's, you were quite excited about those <laughs> that's been the payoff for having to miss the scans yeah, I think I, it's been really different feeling, feeling involved. Like, like, like I say, I go back to I only, I think I only remember feeling sky kick once, and that that troubles me almost. That that's a really sad memory that I don't remember that relationship, mm-hmm. that that bond with sky. But I feel different with this with with chickpea at the moment, um, and that's because I've been able to sort of have those interactions, and and that I think enables you to start those bonds at a much earlier stage. I think I've also I've, I've tried to prioritize more those um, those moments because again knowing what we lost with sky every kick's been really important so yeah i think in many ways i've invested differently in this pregnancy um yeah and, and i feel like you have been a lot more anxious if i i feel like you haven't wanted to talk about it because maybe you don't want to make me worried or anything but yeah i mean i think kind of the sort of things you said and but also like you kind of do check up or like if I say oh I haven't really felt the kit much today then I feel like that makes you quite worried and like every time I turn over at night you're kind of awake and you're like is everything okay (laughs) (laughs) every time I get up for a wee I don't even wonder if you sometimes like sleep at all or if you're just (laughs) permanently awake (laughs) I don't know and I think that's the experience of having gone through loss the first time um and much more uh, aware of what the signs are that we need to be looking out for that we need to be monitoring those sort of things as well so I think that all factors in really. And I guess do you? I don't know. Do you find it harder because obviously you're not the you, you know you can't feel them inside you, and it's you're not your body changing, so you kind of have no control, I guess, over what happens. And I know I because I'm a bit of a control freak, and you are a lot more relaxed than me generally. But given the situation, I don't know. Does that does that bother you at all, or is it a relief to like not actually? be able to do anything or control the situation or the outcome at all um I mean I I would prefer to have control over it because that would be easier for me to manage but I think sort of what I've seen through this pregnancy is that do you know I mean I have a lot of trust in you and I know that you're very aware of what to look for and that's given me what's the word that's given me the um the encouragement and the trust and the and the confidence sorry to go with I know that you're very aware of what's going on I know that you're counting the kicks and that all is stress and takes its strain, but 
at the same time, like I know that you're very aware of what you need to look out for, of of how you feel, of how you monitor things. Um, so that's given me a lot of trust to, to be able to move forward and sort of trust with what you're saying. And, and that's why I think if you say you're not sure about something, that's why I pick up on it, because for you to say that is quite a big thing. So you, you're, you're not going to say you're not sure if, if you're not sure. You know I mean? Or rather, it's a positive thing from my point of view that you're raising those anxieties at, the, at this stage. And, and that's something we wouldn't have known last time during our first pregnancy. Yeah, although I think I kind of have to balance that with like, am I just being paranoid? Because <laughs> I feel like a lot of the time I am. <laughs> um, but I think that is also part of like pregnancy after loss is that kind of constant paranoia that, you know, you've got this thing, but you could lose it at any minute. Yeah, and I think we I think we knew from the start we were always going to have that. We kind of knew it wasn't going to be an, um, quotation a marks, a normal yeah. pregnancy. There was going to be those anxieties. Um, and so we've just had to manage that as we go through. And I, I've enjoyed this pregnancy. I think it, we've not let those anxieties get on top of us too much. Yeah, I think so. And I guess you know a bit more about induction and birth going into things second time around now. Gosh, I sure do. <laughs> <laughs> do you feel more prepared for it? <laughs> I feel a lot more prepared for if things go wrong and, and sort of being prepared for um, how do we create our own memories this time and what our rights are and what we should be thinking about. Um, but equally, um, been able to go through all the antenatal classes this time, albeit remotely, mm-hmm. uh, which has been interesting. Um, but yeah, I feel a lot more sort of, I feel like I've got to pay a lot more attention this time round because again, sort of having gone through our previous experience, like the stakes feel that much higher. Um, so just trying to get everything right, really. Yeah. Yeah, and I think definitely, I guess, we know more about the practicalities and things because we have been able to do the antenatal classes and the hypnobirthing and that type of thing. And, yeah, even though it's kind of – there is still some kind of uncertainty around it in terms of whether you'll be able to be in for the full experience and that type of thing, I think, yeah. I mean, I certainly feel a bit more prepared and hopefully you do too. Yeah, I think so. Although I've got to admit recently I kind of like thought, well, actually I can start relaxing because if you're going to be induced um, and spend several days on your own on the ward, then that's my chance to catch up on sleep or to rest a little bit. Um, <laughs> yeah. I help to the cinema, but um, we'll have to see how that develops because at the moment the advice keeps changing, doesn't it, on a daily basis. So. Yeah, and what do you bet, like after we've planned for like being there for days and days, like being on the side to come like yeah. super quickly. <laughs> Be like, no, you've got to come in now. Uh, fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, okay, brilliant. Well, thank you so much for letting me um, twist your arm and coming into the <laughs> podcast to share, to share your side of the story. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to this episode of Footprints on Our Hearts. Please help me break the silence around baby loss by sharing the podcast with your friends and leaving a review on iTunes. You can follow me on Instagram at Footprints on Our Hearts and Twitter at Sky's Footprints. For detailed show notes and to support the podcast and help me raise money for Tommies, please visit our website, footprintsonourhearts.com.